Hi, I'm Jason Scott, and this is the latest edition of iloveedmontonrealestate.com, and I am thrilled to have my guests today who are Edward Kim and Imram Thaver of Genworth Canada. Welcome to the show, guys. Thanks a lot for having us, Jason. Hey, my pleasure. Okay, so let's start with the basics. A lot of listeners will not be familiar with mortgage default insurance companies and what it is you do. So maybe, Edward, can you give us sort of a little quick 101 on mortgage insurance? Absolutely. Default mortgage insurance that we provide, really the basics of it is for us to help Canadians across Canada you know, purchase their primary residence with less than 20% down. We provide this and it's a mandatory insurance that is needed by the government for us. And we provide that for homeowners across Canada. Okay, and there are three companies. There's CMHC, which is a crown corporation owned by the government. They're sort of the biggest player in the sandbox. Then there's Genworth and then there's also Canada Guarantee. And Genworth and Canada Guarantee are private, or I shouldn't say private, you're actually public companies, but you're not related to the government in any way, shape or form. That is correct. Okay. Great. So on July 1st, CMHC instituted three major rule changes. Only two of them really are major rule changes from my perspective. The first one that was made was that borrowed down payments would no longer be allowed. The second one was a tightening of what are called debt service ratios. So how much of gross income is allowed to be used by both the property as well as other debts in terms of your expenses versus your income. And then the final one was they significantly increased the minimum credit score requirement for one, at least one applicant when there's more than one applicant. They raised it. They were probably at 600, if I recall off the top of my head. They went to 680, which is a significant jump. So let me ask you guys, what was Genworth's position on any policy changes and why or why not? Did you follow along? Yeah, great questions, Jason. And certainly questions that we've been getting from many of our lending partners and broker partners over the course of the last couple of weeks. From Genward's perspective, we do a review of all of our policies, guidelines, so on and so forth twice a year. And it was determined when CMHC came out with their changes that uh, we were not going to follow suit. We believe that uh, our underwriting is sufficient for the risk that we're currently seeing in the market. We certainly believe that, you know, CMHC has the right and the wherewithal to make the changes that they so choose for their portfolio. Uh, From our perspective, we believe that the marketplace currently today and certainly the rules and regulations we have in place through our policies and standards do not need to be adjusted. And, you know, certainly in conversations with our lending partners, we feel that we do an adequate job of assessing risk as it comes through. And, you know, it was one of those things that we felt we did not need to make in terms of a change moving forward. Right. Okay. Fair enough. Now, obviously, a lot has changed in the last few months, both economically and life-wise with the whole pandemic. Back in sort of, I guess it would have been, say, January or February, there was talk where the government was going to revisit the stress test and the stress test qualifying rate. You know, there's an argument that it's higher than it should be. You know, as of today, we would use a qualifying rate of 4.94% and people are getting, you know, five-year fixed rate mortgages at basically 2%. 
right? So it's more, it's almost two and a half times what the effective rate is. And then that suddenly went away when the uh, pandemic came down. The government basically said, yeah, we're not changing the stress test. Have you guys heard anything differently on that? I haven't, to be honest, Jason. And I think one of the things right now is, you know, certainly from our perspective, we understand that that could be a challenge for some individuals as they're looking to get into the market. We certainly believe that the stress test is an important part of an individual to ensure not only do they qualify, but that they're going to be able to stay in their homes for a lengthy period of time. But I think that's a very valid discussion point, certainly something that, you know, I feel as though perhaps as we start to see the market and certainly the economy normalize, that is perhaps something that the government could potentially look at again. And we do know that there was an announcement that had come out previous to the pandemic hitting with some changes that were going to be coming through with regards to the stress tests that, of course, we were definitely on side with. But since, of course, COVID-19 has hit, you know, that was certainly one of the announcements that was made by the Department of Finance and OSFI to refrain from making that change at this point in time. Yeah. So the interesting thing about CMHC's new tightening of ratios is basically it reduces how much a person qualifies for now by, what is it, 13-ish percent? Something like that, somewhere between 10 and 13 percent. In other words, what they've done is effectively increase the stress test without increasing the actual qualifying rate stress test. Yeah, again, we can't comment to, you know, strictly CMHC's changes. We certainly believe that, you know, those individuals that are looking to purchase and have the income, have the strong credit capabilities and are certainly in the market and are looking at, you know, homes in the marketplace today and meet our criteria. Certainly, we believe that those individuals, in particular, first time home buyers, should be looked at as, you know, they have been previously. We don't believe as though there has been any need for additional changes as CMHC has done. And like I said, we look at our policies and standards twice a year to ensure that, you know, we keep we're keeping up with kind of what's happening in the market and the economy. And we do believe that, you know, our practices are prudent enough to kind of catch anything that would come through. Right. Okay. So what are you seeing in the market right now in terms of activity or or increased or decreased risk? Yeah, so we're certainly seeing a lot of activity in the marketplace right now. And to a certain degree, that could be surprising. You know, in the midst of a global pandemic, we're seeing a lot of individuals looking to get into the market. And that could be for a number of reasons. One is that certainly there could have been a pent up demand from individuals that typically would get into homes in the spring market. And of course, the spring market was really muted this year due to the pandemic. Individuals through majority of the month of March and the month of April could not go out and visit homes that they wanted to potentially purchase. And we believe that, you know, certainly in Alberta, there has been individuals that have taken the opportunity now that things have loosened up a little bit. And as we're kind of getting through, you know, phase one, phase two of the reopening of Alberta, for those individuals to get back into the market. I think the other thing that we need to take a look at is certainly historical lows in terms of interest rates. And, you know, that has certainly helped individuals, especially those individuals that have kept their jobs, those individuals that have the means and the ability to get into homeownership or perhaps we're thinking about homeownership over the course of the last number of years, it's a great opportunity to get in. The other thing that we're also seeing are those individuals that perhaps have been able to save some additional money over the course of their time through COVID-19 and actually being at home. And if you take a look and say, you know, there's individuals like Eddie who has, you know, three children, perhaps has not needed the same level of childcare. And now those individuals perhaps have saved some money over the course of the last, you know, three or four months and have the down payment saved up yeah. and now could look at getting into home ownership. And so certainly those are some of the things that we're certainly 
seeing in conversations with our lenders and conversations with the industry partners that we work with that has really helped individuals kind of get into homeownership and has created some demand than otherwise we would have thought previously. Yeah, it's amazing how much you can say when you're not having fun ahead. That is true. <laughs> Absolutely. When everything is closed. <laughs> what are you guys seeing from a price point standpoint? So, you know, where's the activity level coming from in terms of the property prices? Yeah, that's a great question. And from our perspective, our wheelhouse is really the first time home buyers, right? Those are the individuals that are looking to purchase with less than 20% down payment. So we're seeing, you know, significant activity in the, I shouldn't say lower end of the price point, but really kind of that first time home buyer sweet spot. So you're taking a look at the row homes, the small single family homes, kind of that, you know, sub 450 price range where we're really seeing a lot of activity. Mm-hmm. We do know that certainly in our market today, when we take a look at, you know, the Calgary Real Estate Board, the Edmonton Real Estate Board data, that, you know, that market has been relatively active. We do know that condos are pressured, likely in Edmonton and Calgary, just due to the supply of condominiums that are, you know, in the marketplace today. So it's going to be interesting to see where the market goes from a price point perspective over the course of, you know, perhaps the latter half of the year. And, you know, we don't give out forecasts in terms of, you know, where we think the market's going to go. But when we take a look at, you know, what we're getting in terms of the Edmonton Real Estate Board and the Calgary Real Estate Board, we do know that there could be some price pressure. But from our perspective, you know, it's really kind of wait and see. We're looking at the market today. We're seeing a lot of activity in our wheelhouse. And for us, that's a real good Good news story. Yeah. I had an interesting conversation. It was with a client yesterday, actually. And his take on things was, look, if I don't have to work in a downtown office anymore, I'm not likely to buy a downtown condo. And so, you know, not only are office buildings going to to have major issues with, you know, leases not being renewed or tenants wanting discounts on rent, etc. You're going to see less demand for condos downtown, potentially, and maybe a hollowing out of downtown cores in cities. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, that's a really good point. And I think the other aspect, and, you know, we're here in beautiful Edmonton, Alberta, and you take a look and say, you know, we have a a major university downtown as well. And, you know, depending on kind of where, you know, university classes go, I think, Jason, to your point, there could be some pressure there from a, you know, an office pace perspective as well. And then you take a look at, you know, potentially student housing and the demand for rental market. You know, it's going to be interesting to see as we kind of go into now the fall market, where that plays out uh, Mm -hmm. due to, you know, the impacts of social distancing and perhaps you know, where office spaces are used less as we get into a more virtual and digital world. Yeah, I guess one of the other potential pressure points, which, you know, it'll take a longer term for that to come through the pipe will be oil prices. So if oil prices stay relatively depressed, you know, if pipelines can't get built, etc. What sort of impact do you see that having on the Alberta market? Yeah, that's another great question. I think from our perspective, that is definitely something that we monitor, you know, where oil prices are and and then the correlation to where unemployment falls within the oil price and the relationship there between, uh, you know, unemployment rates in particular and the major cities in, in Alberta, Calgary and Edmonton. And it's definitely something that we're monitoring and watching. At this point in time, I mean, it's been great to see the rebound that we saw in oil prices from, you know, historic lows and in fact, negative, Negative, uh, you know, oil (laughs) prices. And that's, uh, you know, definitely from our perspective, a good news story. And I think from what we're looking at is is really hoping to see some consistency in price points, right? And and then therefore you have businesses and, you know, the oil producing companies that can actually, you know, reset and be able to kind of have a little bit more of a forecast in terms of, you know, what the the balance of the year and beyond is going to look like for them. Yeah. Just to provide context for listeners, the whole point of 
default insurance is that if someone stops making their payments and that property goes into foreclosure, the lender is compensated for losses on that mortgage. Obviously, unemployment is the leading factor in people getting into financial trouble and not being able to make their mortgage payments. What sort of concern is there given what's going on with layoffs and furloughs and all those sorts of things do you have around potential delinquency rates rising? Yeah, again, another great question. And I think one of the things we're looking at right now is potentially going to be the impact of, you know, some of the unemployment rates that we've seen that have, you know, certainly edged upwards over the course of the last few months. Right now, it's kind of too early to tell because we've had such a deferral program that's been put into place by all three of the insurers and of course all of the lenders as well. And so we've really worked together as an industry to ensure that, you know, home buyers and the general public is protected at this point of flux. And so it's too early to tell kind of the impact of what we're going to see. There have been uh, many deferrals that have been granted certainly across Alberta and, and across Canada. You know, I think the information that we've received from a Canada perspective is north of 740,000 deferrals and we're still working on getting the data from our lending partners in terms of, you know, what's going to be our impact. Mm -hmm. Many of those could very easily cure and kind of go back. Some of those individuals perhaps took the deferral, but perhaps may not have needed the deferral for the full length of time that it was being offered. Many lenders have offered deferrals for different amounts of months. And so it could be, you know, two months, three months up to six months, which was the max. And we do also have, you know, some lenders that are still granting deferrals. And so we've allowed lenders to grant deferrals up to the end of September. And so depending on kind of where the reporting comes out, I think, you know, it'll be interesting to see how many of those individuals that uh, we would have insured have taken part of the deferral programs and, uh, you know, how many of those potentially truly needed the deferrals as well. Mm -hmm. What do you think will happen if there's a second wave of the virus in the fall? right when these deferral periods are ending? I think that's a great question. It's it's going to be really interesting to see. Certainly, our hope is that, you know, governments, you know, whether it be federal or, or provincial, have a, a staggered approach and that, you know, we're coming out of this COVID-19 period where individuals are able to, you know, properly social distance and, and really looking after their health first and foremost. But, you know, it's really early to tell the impact that that could have on the markets as a whole. From our perspective, we're working really closely with all of the insurer partners, all of our lending partners to to ensure that, you know, clients are being looked after, right? And, you know, that's first and foremost, we want to ensure that, you know, we're looking after our customers and helping those individuals that are able to get into homeownership right now to get into homeownership. Mm -hmm. So in light of the fact that, you know, the economy nationally and provincially and internationally, for that matter, has taken a pretty big hit here, what sort of risk plans is Genworth making? Yeah. So from our perspective, you know, we're really looking at our underwriting policies. We want to ensure that we're acting prudently. You know, you may see that we're looking at properties with a little bit more of a fine tooth comb. We want to ensure that individuals are getting into the right home for them that's valued correctly. And we're acting in, in a prudent force. You know, we, we want to ensure that the individuals that are getting into homeownership today are going to be able to maintain their homes for the long haul. Right. And that, you know, this is not uh, just a short term getting into the property and then going into into trouble. We want to ensure that these individuals are setting themselves up for success and truly achieving their dreams of homeownership. All right. So when I talk to lender underwriters, I get feedback that the insurers are doing more appraisals on property or they're asking for, you know, proof of liquid assets beyond the down payment. So there's a fallback position. Does that seem to be the case for what you guys are? You know, that would all be part of prudent underwriting. 
For sure. Right. And so we want to ensure that, again, we're working with our lender partners to make sure that when we are getting into scenarios where individuals are coming to us, that they're going to be able to stay in their homes for a long period of time. And and that's what it's all about. Right. We want to ensure that we're providing Canadians with that opportunity to get into homeownership with less than 20 percent down payment Mm -hmm. and be able to stay in their homes for the long haul. Right. Several years ago, we're pushing a decade now, probably there were a number of changes that OSFI and the Department of Finance made around refinances, where, you know, in the good old days, you could refinance to 95% of the value of your home, and then they reduced it to 90, and then 85, and then 80%. So in light of people maybe incurring heavy debts because of not working and whatnot, has there been any indication that that those policies will get looked at again and and maybe a loosening up of loan to value on a refinance? Yeah, I can't really comment on that, Jason. I, you know, certainly something that would be outside of our sphere. If that was the case, I'm sure that there would be many individuals that would be extremely happy. But at this point, you know, I can't comment on what the Department of Finance or certainly, you know, OSFI would look at from a regulation or a policy perspective. Okay. The flip side of that is in, I guess it would have been June, May or June, the head of CMHC sort of floated a trial balloon of increasing down payments to a minimum of 10%. That seemed to go away with the policy changes. Any more scuttlebutt around that stuff? Certainly not from our perspective. Yeah, not at this time. I mean, we're not, we haven't adopted any of the changes that, you know, CMHC has. We believe that, you know, the marketplace across Canada right now is in a good state. And, you know, we're, we're really looking at, at our own policies and practices and making sure that we're going to be available for Canadians to get into homeownership, you know, with as little as 5% down. Yeah. Okay. One of the things that I've been doing a lot of this year in terms of types of transactions is insured renewals or transfers. Okay. So essentially, you know, someone buys a house four and a half years ago, they're coming up for renewal and maybe a different lender than their current lender has a better deal available. And so I've been doing a ton of these and saving people money. Now, where do you think we'll be in that type of transaction a year from now when we're factoring in people who have had, who have taken deferrals? Yeah. You know, from our perspective, as long as individuals are current on their mortgages, we have no issues from individuals kind of moving and porting their properties over to another lender or switching properties over to another lender. From our perspective, the customers have paid their mortgage default insurance premium. And as long as they're fully current, we are definitely okay with them switching over and going over to another lender. That might be a great question for a lender to get a perspective on kind of how they'd be looking at those types of individuals and, you know, the specific nuances, because ultimately then the risk falls on them. Mm -hmm. But if they've been insured with us, as long as everything is up to date and current, we are definitely okay with the switches occurring. All right, gentlemen, time for the crystal ball question. Where do you see the Edmonton and Alberta housing markets going in the next, you know, one to three years? Obviously, it's a... Eddie, you want to take this one here? Yeah, we won't hold you to it, Ed. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, that's a great question. And I mean, if you're looking for my opinion, you know, that's a really tough call, right? I mean, uh, we were talking a lot about the oil prices. We're also talking about the economy and unemployment as well and how that's going to factor in. But it looks like the way the market is going right now and that real niche market that's been really driving kind of that mid 400s that Imran was talking about in the past, it seems like that is the main driver right now and they'll consistently be there. But it's going to be interesting to see what kind of downward pressure there is on the condo market, how that's going to affect 
the overall prices. But I think we should also keep an eye out on the higher end homes as well, as those inventories start to increase and how that will put pressure on the downward market. Again, can't really comment on what the crystal ball would say, but seeing how the market is going now, I mean, we may anticipate it being a very flat market maybe over the next couple of years. I mean, just in my opinion, just seeing how the inventory in those kind of areas is really going to affect the market and the buyers that are out there right now. Okay. I could see acreages actually becoming more popular. Yeah, that's that's an interesting point. Yeah, for sure. We could definitely see that. You know, what we typically see in kind of these types of scenarios is pressure that gets put onto the condo market and then pressure that would get put onto the higher end home market. But you're absolutely right. We could see something very unique. This is a scenario in terms of COVID that, you know, it's truly, you know, something that we've never experienced before. Mm -hmm. And I think buyer behavior is going to be really interesting to see kind of how that plays out. And we may see more individuals kind of move towards, you know, some of the suburbs because of perhaps a less commute. But it's going to be really, really interesting to see kind of how the market plays out. And I don't think it's just over the course of the latter half of the year, but I'm even thinking, you know, over the course of the next two, three, five years how people adjust to potentially a really new norm. Mm -hmm. So as insurers, what keeps you up at night? You know, I think from our perspective, that's an interesting question. You know, we want to make sure that we're putting people into homeownership for a sustainable period of time. And, and, you know, you've heard me say that a lot already today. We want to ensure that individuals are getting in, they're purchasing homes at the right price for the right individual and that those homes are ones that they're going to be able to stay in for the foreseeable future. And, you know, our biggest thing is ensuring that our customers are, you know, happy, maintained. Our our lenders uh, know that we're here to support them and that our broker markets know that, uh, you know, we're going to be here to to support the broker industry as well. Are you seeing a change in the mix of where deals are being generated from? Branches versus brokers versus road warriors? Yeah, great question. We have definitely seen a shift. And part of this could have been due to the fact that, you know, physical branch locations were closed over the span of COVID. And, and we're certainly seeing more lenders and certainly the lenders focusing in on either their mortgage specialist or broker business. And so we've definitely seen an increase in the broker business or broker originated files. And that was, to be quite honest, a trend that we were seeing over the course of the last few years, but definitely something that we've seen even more so over the course of the last couple of months mm-hmm. as COVID has kind of, you know, shuttered some of the branch trends traffic and certainly leading more towards the mortgage specialist and the mortgage broker. Right. So, I mean, all of that speaks to, you know, more online business generation for lenders and brokers, et cetera, et cetera. You know, the holy grail of lending from a lender's perspective is probably as much artificial intelligence underwriting as possible and document processing as possible. How is that being handled by Genworth? Are you doing more or less auto approvals or Yeah, so our our systems are pretty robust. We're certainly, you know, looking at technology as well and integrating with all of our lenders. I can't share if we're doing more or less auto decisioning based on kind of where we are in kind of the market. But definitely, it's certainly something that, you know, we allow our systems to do a lot of the work. We definitely play a great importance on having our, you know, our technology kind of working behind the scenes. That being said, we also have a wonderful team of underwriters that, you know, if a file does get referred to an underwriter for whatever reason, It could be that a lender has wanted this particular file to go to an underwriter or model has, uh, you know, forced it to go to an underwriter. We definitely, you know, welcome the opportunity to have a look at the file and to work with our our lending partners to be able to get as many files as approved as we can. 
Mm-hmm. And you are seeing like a surge in number of transactions right now. We have seen uh, we have seen definitely you know an uptick in volume, and again you know that could be due to a number of factors that we talked about earlier. But absolutely, you know, it's definitely been some good volumes coming through since May and June has really kind of seen uh, you know more back to kind of what we would typically expect from a spring market. Gotcha. Any other thoughts or comments before we wrap things up? You know, I think from my perspective, one of the things that is really, really important for us is that, you know, we welcome the opportunity to spend time with the broker network. You know, the broker network for us is a really important part of our business. You know, we have a dedicated broker strategy at Genworth Canada. Our account managers across the country spend uh, significant time training, but also providing knowledge to the broker segment, but also to the broker customers. We have a wonderful homeownership assistance program that is there to help support our customers, our lenders, our mortgage broker partners. We want to ensure that, you know, everything that we do is there ultimately for the end user, right? And so whether it's our programs and policies that we have, some of our uh, programs that help, like our ownership assistance program, but also the information and the data that we share. You know, we have a wonderful financial fitness study that came out in May that we kind of initially did pre-COVID and then kind of went back mid-COVID and sharing some of those results. So, you know, we have a wonderful resource on our website that's available. And and we really feel as though, you know, from our perspective, it's important that we share as much information as we can to our broker partners. And we want to thank our broker partners for, you know, having the trust in us. We've definitely seen an increase in, in broker originated business, and it's definitely very close and dear to our hearts. You brought up the homeowner assistance program, and I want to focus a little bit on that because it's meant to help people when they do sort of run into financial difficulties around their mortgage. Realistically, there's going to be some people who are going to get caught up in that. So explain what that program is and sort of the approach Genworth takes with homeowners when they're running into problems on payments. Yeah, absolutely. So our homeownership assistance program, and we call it HOPE as an acronym, is a program that we really work very closely with all of our lenders. We kind of take a a non-cookie cutter approach. And so we'll work with lenders to create the best solution for that individual family. So give me an example of what that might look like. So yeah, that could definitely be something like an extended amortization. And so, you know, perhaps we look at extending their amortization to kind of lower their payments so that they can stay up to date. We can take a look at capitalization of their payments. We can take a look at, you know, many things. You know, in some cases, we work with lenders to adjust interest rates. There's a variety of things that we can do. And we really partner with our lending partners on uh, making sure that it's going to be the approach that's going to be suited for their needs and also what's going to be in the best interest for that particular customer and that particular family as well. That's really the end goal. We don't have a kind of a cookie cutter approach to our program. We really work with individual lenders and individual uh, partners to be able to find what's going to be the best for them to get back up on their feet. Yeah, I mean, obviously, lenders and insurers do not want to end up owning homes. That's not what you're in business to do, right? That's right. Ed Imran, thank you very much for joining me on the show today. It's been wonderful. Thank you so much for having us, Jason. Yeah, thank you very much, Jason.